The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Let's begin by setting the scene. Our Gospel reading today picks up where last week's reading left off. Jesus fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. And immediately after that, as we heard in our reading today, Jesus sent the disciples onto a boat in the Sea of Galilee. Jesus he went up on a mountain in order to pray by himself, and he was praying there well into the night. While Jesus was praying, the disciples were in the boat, but the wind was giving them trouble. The wind was making big waves, the wind was blowing against the boat, the wind was whistling in their ears. They were out there all night long until finally it came to be the fourth watch of the night, which is in our time between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. It was at this time that Jesus came toward the disciples in the boat walking on the water. The disciples must have been very tired, if for no other reason, it being that time of day, they had to have been frustrated about how their journey was going. And when they see Jesus, they don't recognize him. They thought he was a ghost, which is understandable since people don't walk on water. So try to put yourselves into the disciples' shoes. This was very unpleasant, dangerous even. It's dark. The wind's howling, the waves are crashing, they're probably trying to keep the bow of the boat going straight into the waves so that they can cut through the waves instead of having the waves crash over the side of the boat to swamp them. And then, to top it all off, there's a stinking ghost. 
What else can go wrong? Jesus' words then break into the darkness, the wind, the confusion. He says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. It's good to spend a little time here on Jesus' words. The first thing that Jesus says is, take heart. That means, be courageous. The disciples were in danger. Jesus tells them to have courage. Why should they have courage? Because Jesus says, it is I. And with the words, it is I, certainly Jesus is telling the disciples that he is no ghost. But Jesus might also be saying something a little bit more with those words too. What it says in the Greek is, ego eimi. Maybe you've heard that before. Ego is Greek for I, and eimi is Greek for am. So ego eimi means I am. What is the significance of Jesus saying I am? Perhaps you recall Moses before the burning bush. Moses asked the Lord, what should I say when they ask me who has sent me? And God responds, I am who I am. Tell them that I am has sent you. So here when Jesus responds, when Jesus says, I am, he is indicating that he is God. It is as though Jesus is saying, be courageous, I am who I am, that is to say, I am God, do not be afraid. It appears that Jesus' message hit home, at least with Peter. You can tell it by his unusual reaction. He says to Jesus, If it is you, Lord, then command me to come to you on the water. And remember all the stuff that is going on around them. The wind and the waves have not stopped. The wind is howling. They would have been shouting in order to hear one another. Peter's mind, however, has been taken away from what was happening all around them. The cares and concerns that have kept them awake all night long recede into the background of his mind. He has an audacious idea. He believes in the I am. So he has the courage to step out of the boat into that rocking, out of that swirling and rocking boat and onto the tempestuous sea. I'd like to point out that there is an obvious alternative to Peter's plan. The alternative would be to focus on what was going on around them. He could have said to Jesus, can't you make this wind stop that's been tormenting us all night long? Can't you see that we are suffering? Make it stop. We loathe this worthless sea voyage that you, by the way, put us on. The sensible thing would be to get rid of the wind and the waves. That's what a responsible person would do. The responsible person seems to be proven right also by what ends up happening. You know how the story goes. 
he ends up sinking. So a responsible person might say, see, first things first, you got to get the waves to stop. But you also know that there's more to the story than that. Peter did end up sinking. He had to cry out, Lord, save me. But before that, he was walking on the water and making his way toward Jesus. Maybe if Peter had sunk like a stone the second he stepped out of the boat, those responsible people would have a point. But for a time, Peter believed, and it was glorious. Now, when it comes to applying what we hear in this gospel reading to ourselves, the applications are almost innumerable. This is such a rich text that could teach us so many things, but I'd like to focus just on Peter's reaction and how we might imitate him so that perhaps something glorious might happen in our lives too. Now, we all, like Peter had with the wind and the waves, we all have our troubles and frustrations. If we thought hard enough, we could all come up with a good long list of things that we would like to have different in our lives. All of us would have lots of minor stuff on that list, but maybe we could have some terribly, terribly big stuff, too. Maybe your life is in danger of being lost. Not by wind and waves, but perhaps by disease. Perhaps more important than merely surviving, though, are all those relationships in our lives. Maybe you are estranged from someone. There is a cold war in your family or in your house. We all have cares and worries of every kind, and perhaps they are so bad we haven't been able to make headway, no matter how hard we try. And it's the fourth watch of the night, and when is it ever going to end? And then, to top it all off, Jesus can show up, in a sense, similar to the way that he showed up to the disciples in the boat. And what I mean by that is that Jesus can make himself and his will known to us, and what Jesus says is not always welcome. His thoughts on life are not usually our thoughts. How he says we should live our lives can seem impractical, impossible, otherworldly, ghostly, you might say. He tells us, for example, that we should forgive those who trespass against us. And what should we do with those who have hurt us? We should do good to them and love them. Love, in general, is what Jesus would have us do. Can't go wrong with love. To which we might sensibly respond, Don't you know what has been going on with me? Don't you know the hell that I've been through? And it's a lot of that is that person's fault. I'm just trying to survive here. 
How can you ask anything more of me? Away with you, you ghost. You're not here to help us. You're just making it worse. But Jesus doesn't remain a ghost to his disciples, nor does he wish to remain a ghost to us. He tells us who he is so that we may believe in him. He says, be courageous. I am. I am God. Do not be afraid. Faith comes first. The life of love, especially to our enemies, to those who have hurt us, that life of love would be as impossible as walking on water if faith did not come first. And faith in Jesus is always good and gracious. All the disciples were probably relieved to hear Jesus' voice, but Peter did something more. He also gave up worrying about himself. You will never be harmed by believing in Jesus. But believing in Jesus will mean that the other things that are going on with you will need to be pushed to the background. Imagine if Peter didn't react the way that he did, but responded differently. Imagine if he faintly, distantly heard Jesus say what he said, but instead of taking it to heart, he would have been too busy with that boat. And that's quite imaginable if you think about the situation they are in. Because look, that bow of the boat is turning over to the side. And if it turns over much more, then the wind is going to blow us. And we're going to be on the side. And look, there's that wave that's coming there. And it's going to sink us. Everybody on the left, row forward. And everybody on the right, row backward. Row for your lives. Can't you see how something like that could happen? And not only could it happen, but it's what comes naturally to us. We believe that we must solve all our own problems. How are you going to solve them? How about we start by obsessing over them? That's what responsible people do. It's irresponsible in a sense to move all thoughts to the background and focus on Jesus and his words to us. But that's what faith does. Faith in Christ necessarily requires us to push all kinds of important and seemingly relevant thoughts to the background. You must, for example, set aside the sins that you have committed. Either your sins are supreme and you should worry yourself to death about them or Jesus is supreme. Or how about your failures? If you failed at love, failed at business, failed at life, either this is going to be the supreme thing in your life or Jesus. But maybe you're more of an upbeat sort of person. You've succeeded at life. You've taken those waves head on and sailed right through. Well, there's no stopping the wind, though. Death must relentlessly, ruthlessly take its prey. There's no stopping that no matter how much you've already gone through. 
Well, let's turn a thought like that on its head, though, and say, well, I've only got one life to live, and so I better make it glorious. All that is still just playing around with the oars and with the rigging. By nature, with our unbelief, we can't help but do anything different. We can't help but mess around with all the things in our life. We want to decrease that long list of stuff that we want to have different in our life. So we pull on this and we move that and patch and mend and reinvent ourselves and motivate, educate, reinvigorate. Or, on the other hand, and this makes up no small number, we're tired of all that. Sit, sit hunched up on the bench, just staring off into space, staring at that hapless rudder and the flapping sails. These two ways of being seem to be so different from one another, but really they're not. Whether we're busy or whether we've given up, it makes no difference ultimately. That boat is doomed. That boat without Jesus, wrath, moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But what if there were something more important, more life-giving, outside of that boat? And there is. Jesus does not come from inside the boat, from inside this life. Jesus comes from heaven. And here's the amazing thing. We're safer with Jesus. Peter held on to that thought for quite some time as he was making his way to Jesus and all the disciples who were in the boat. They would have been safer with Jesus. We're always safer with Jesus. But boy, is it ever hard for us to believe that. It was hard for Peter too. He looked at the wind and the waves we're not told this by the text, but maybe there was just this huge wave coming toward him, towering way above him. He shouldn't have doubted, but can any of us blame him? We're cut from the same cloth as he is. Lord, save us. The truth remains though, despite how we feel, we are safer with faith in Jesus than we are in any other possible place. We are safer with our faith in Jesus than we are in any other possible place, and that is because Jesus is the great I Am. Please stand. <clears throat> Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you.